Hello, podcast listener. The App Guy podcast. Straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy. Sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. The App Guy Podcast. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to the App Guy Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Paul Kemp, and it's with great pleasure that I'm joined here with um, a great guest. His name is Hugh Culver, and he is the author of uh, Give Me a Break, and he's a keynote speaker, productivity expert, coach. So a really warm welcome to you, Hugh. Hey, Paul. It's great to be on the show. Thank you. Terrific. Well, we're thrilled that you could join us, and we are a bunch of indie app developers, business owners, uh, entrepreneurs, and we're really looking forward to tapping into your skill set, your knowledge. So perhaps we can start by just you giving us an intro of who you are and uh, what it is you do. Yeah, sure. So I actually came out of the adventure travel industry of all places, and so as a young guy, I was um, working with my older brother and learning all about business by taking people on like really crazy adventure trips, mostly rafting, and then and then we we uh, built up a sailing company, uh, and then. After selling that company, I started up with uh, three partners flying people to the South Pole. So I built up an airline, started buying airplanes. Suddenly I was, you know, dealing in um, multi-million dollar international contracts. Uh, so very exciting um, and a bit crazy. You know, we were really like out on the limb, you know, only, only company in the world, absolutely no backup support. And I uh, had about a crew of 35 people. Uh, so that was very exciting. Then I sold uh, my shares in that company, and then I went back to graduate school. So I decided to get serious about business, and so I decided to learn. Well, how am I supposed to have done this? And so I went and got a uh, a, ma- a master's degree in business, and then you know I went the usual route. I started consulting, but really, uh, to me, what's I think um, interesting for your audience is. I've really discovered that there's certain things that make us successful in business. And a lot of them hinge around discipline, systems, and, and um, habits. And what I've been trying to do as someone that has written a book about time management, that like literally every week I'm on a, a stage talking about productivity and being effective, um, is that I've really tried to walk my talk. And so it's been very interesting for me as someone who is going out there and promoting all of these great ways to be successful in business to also, you know, be conscious of the fact that I'm a family guy, I've got young kids, I've got a wife that works, and uh, that I I need to be also uh, leading by example, um, if you will. And so that's what I do now. I help organizations and I work with entrepreneurs as well. In the, on the organization side, it's all around productivity and working with their leaders. And with the entrepreneurs, it's uh, I work primarily with people who want to do what I do. So they want to earn some or all of their income by being an author or a speaker or a, um, a seminar leader. Well, there's so much to tap into there. I mean, firstly, absolutely congratulations to you on, on that history. It's just phenomenal uh, the fact that you uh, sold a company, uh, bought an airline, 
and uh, you're doing all these uh, amazing things. Now, th- this is the App Guy podcast show, so we love talking about apps. And uh, given that you're a product productivity expert, perhaps you can tell us a little bit about how you uh, use your smartphone uh, with um, creating these these habits um, that we. Uh, all- oh my goodness! I was hoping you weren't going to ask that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, um, so you know, I I keep I I. I tried, I've tried many, many things. So, for example, uh, the main apps that I absolutely love uh, is, of course, Dropbox and Evernote as far as keeping track of what's going on. But also, I rely on Evernote very heavily to try and be as paperless as possible. So in a typical day, I'm probably working on about 20 different projects. I'm either coaching somebody, I'm on a call like this, or I am... Uh, in a negotiation for a keynote presentation. Um, I have an employee as well, excuse me. And so it's really important to me that um, I keep things very simple. So we use an online tool called Asana to communicate amongst our team and to keep track of our projects. And then I use Evernote to keep track of all of my paper um, so, for example, as I'm conducting this interview, I'm making notes on a piece of paper, and then immediately afterwards it goes into Evernote and the paper goes into recycling. So I rely on just a couple of very basic apps like that. Well, that's great. And, uh, you know, I'm doing the same, and we, I, I literally can't live without these apps now, you know, in our lives. So the fact that Evernote and Dropbox are, are almost part of our daily routine. Um, what's it like working... Um, you know, in your field, uh, what, what I mean, there's a lot of uh, app developers, indie app developers who are aspiring to uh, start their own thing, work for themselves, perhaps go along a similar path to you. Um, what could you say to those people who are maybe sitting on the fence and just thinking about what to do next? Yeah, so <clears throat> this is a great question because I think that what's happening right now, Paul, in our world where we have uh, amazingly instant, you know, we have instant access to what's latest, what's the hottest, but we also have access to to these raving success stories that we hear about. And I think in the world of apps, uh, it's probably, you know, it's like that on steroids. And so you hear about these amazing uh, so, you know, solutions that people have invented in, or or entertainment apps that people have invented, and you know they they go viral, etc. I think that the the biggest challenge for entrepreneurs uh, is this: is that to go into business and to be truly successful long term, you need to have discipline. And I don't mean this like I'm your parent telling you to go clean up your room, but I mean that you need to have the kind of discipline that's going to allow you and help you to do the stuff that's very uncomfortable. So, for example, one of the easiest things to do when you are starting a new business is to go and build something. And I think that's a big mistake. Because I've done that many times, and the big mistake is I haven't really taken into it I haven't really tested it and so it's a classic mistake is I do what is what uh, Robert Fritz would call the path of least resistance so in my world the the easiest thing to do is to go and build a new keynote or uh, an, a new online product and of course it might be fantastic and I might get lucky and it might hit a home run but it's absolutely ludicrous to think that the fact that I think it's a good idea is market research. 
I think the best thing to do is to sell something and then build it. And if the market won't buy your wireframe, your mock-up, your prototype, then you don't have a good idea. It's as simple as that. You don't have a good idea. And you may have friends and parents and people that think it's a great idea, but if the market won't give you money for that idea, you do not have a good idea. And so that's all about discipline, right? It's the discipline of doing what's uncomfortable so that you can reap the rewards and you can get what's comfortable, which is, you know, people paying you 24-7. It's really interesting you say about getting market validation before actually going ahead and building it. What do you think to these things in the market like Kickstarter, where you actually go and pitch your idea and get pledges before you actually go and build your your products? I, I think they're brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I mean, it's an amazing way for you to, at very low cost, test your idea. And, you know, just for fun, I was looking the other day, Paul, um, because I'd heard about one real success story on Kickstarter. So I went and I looked at it, and that was very interesting. And then I looked in my own hometown. I had no idea. There was about 12 people that were on Kickstarter in my hometown with little ideas, all sorts of things. Not always not always IT-based, but all sorts of ideas. And what I noticed was a lot of them had failed. But you know what? I think that's fantastic because what they were able to do at very low cost was test their idea. I think they're great. Just as we move forward, I was thinking uh, one of the things that we do in our world is we like to solve problems and we like to find problems to solve. But perhaps you could have a little think about um, your business, maybe past, maybe present, where you have some really big pain points in, in the business. And maybe we can explore potential app solutions to help solve those problems. Well, you know, the, Paul, the, the, the market that I've always been interested in, and it's part, part of the reason is because I'm in it, is the boomer market. You know, so I'm in North America, and the boomers are one of the most identifiable demographic groups that, that you can start to target. And I think that, uh, and also, of course, they have lots of disposable income, they have discretionary time, and they have a history of buying a lot of things. And I, what I would be targeting is I would be looking at what is it that the boomers want next? And I think that in many cases, um, anything that simplifies their life is going to be uh, attractive. And anything that aggregates, simplifies, um, pushes things their way instead of them having to go out and pull, uh, I think is going to be um, highly attractive. Uh, yeah, and I think then the trick is is to go out and actually test that thoroughly, like really rigorously test this idea, uh, because um, you know otherwise you're just shooting in the dark. Yeah, now we've had some really interesting guests talking about generations. You know, we had uh, Greg Vodica from Millennial Marketing uh, talking about the millennials, and then we had on the other end uh, most recently uh, Norm Bauer talking about his, his his baby boomer kind of generation. And I think that's one of the things that are overlooked, the baby boomers. And um, I wonder what sort of trends are you seeing with um, baby boomers? I, I hear that they're buying a lot of um, app businesses, online businesses, because they're a little bit scared of the stock market and investing too much in real estate. 
Well, I'm not so sure that I, I'm not I'm not an expert on what they would actually invest in, but I am always fascinated by their consumer behavior. So, for example, for me, the big focus in the last 12 months has been to move towards more productivity. So, to in my keynotes, uh, we just created an online uh, learning program called the Time Freedom Formula, and what I'm positioning myself as as someone that can offer some solutions for people that are overwhelmed. And, and, and I think that um, my argument is that a lot of, a, a lot of us, we, we respond kind of slowly to changes in our environment. So for example, um, you know, it takes us a long time to start to notice that, uh, you know, our commute is really irritating us, right? Because, well, we just, it's just something, we just have to do it, right? We've got to commute. So that's, and then and it takes us a long time to start to notice that we have no free time anymore because we've subscribed to all these various things. We have all these various things we now need to check in on. And I think that uh, for me, what I find fascinating is uh, to look at, well, what is going to be the next thing for boomers that's going to be kind of a lifestyle change that they're going to be willing to spend money for? And, you know, sometimes I have entrepreneurs come to me with these, you know, quote, great ideas, and, and they might be great, but no one wants to spend money on some of these ideas. I think it's it's a combination of, you know, here's here's kind of how I define it typically for entrepreneurs that I work with. You want to find a market where people have pain and they know they have pain and they're willing to pay to make it go away. That's perfect. They have pain, they want that pain to go away and they're willing to pay to make the pain um, go away. And so, you know, some ideas that come across my table are just absolutely, in my opinion, they're just silly because nobody in their right mind would pay for that solution. It's a combination of pain and paying. And if you can hit that on the head, you know, if you're not, I'm talking about real practical solutions as opposed to, for example, entertainment. Uh, then you've got a real winner. You're right about the uh, productivity and, and just being stuck in traffic and commutes and all this sort of stuff. That's one of the reasons why podcasting is really starting to take off because um, you know there's a lot of time in the car and uh, people are listening to the radio and um, probably moving to podcasting. One of the things I actually started doing was um, doing a podcast in the car itself and uh, having my iPhone and a little microphone and just uh, recording and, and putting that online. And to me, that's it's just fascinating what technology can do, how it can help us get our voice out there. And so um, there's a lot more people doing that. Um, in terms of... Uh, really trying to appeal to that generation, that market. I'm just wondering, uh, what, what, what do you have any other ideas? I mean, have you, you got any validations on what a great idea is? Do you have any principles that, that, um, that must meet, you know, before you start investing or start building something? Yeah, so uh, it's a good question. I think that, the, like, the way I look at it, and this is for my own business as well as the people that I coach, is so I go through this four-point checklist. So number one is, do they have pain? Again. Number two is, do they want the pain to go away? And so, uh, for example, a person might be a little bit chubby, but they don't really care about it that much, and so they're not going to pay to have it go away. It's just It's not that big a deal to them. Um, so pain, they want the pain to go away. Number three is they're willing to pay. And number four is the real kicker, is that they have a, um, a history of paying 
for it to go away. So the classic example in fitness would be people that have already gone to a gym once, have already hired a coach, or have already been to a weight loss program, or they've already, they qualify in all four categories. So now it's very easy to influence them to go to your gym or to your program because they've already um, proven that they're a perfect market. See, and so let me look at this the other way around. And this is, again, this speaks to a mistake that I see a lot of entrepreneurs making, in my opinion anyways, is they try to educate a market. That's very, very difficult. It's very difficult to educate a market that you have a solution that they're not aware of. You know, like to come up with some crazy piece of technology that puts all these things together that, you know, does something and, and nobody knows that that's a problem yet. So that's a very, very hard sell. And, you know, it's kind of like way back when, when people came up with the first MP3 players, like nobody even know they knew they needed an MP3 player. <laughs> yeah. so quite a, it took a couple of years for people to even understand, what do I do with this thing? You know, I thought we're supposed to have cassettes and, and. And so it takes a while. You don't want to, it's very difficult to be in that first mover position, right? And a lot of those first MP3 players died on the vine. They didn't get anywhere. Apple only came on board and BlackBerry and all these other ones. They only came on board after the market had been educated that this is far more convenient. And then they came with their products. They were not the first movers. And so for entrepreneurs to be the first mover is very difficult, you know, because you need deep pockets and you need a lot of time because now you have to educate the market. It's much better to go to a market that's already put their hand up and they've said, hey, you know what? I I can't find this anywhere. Like, where is something that takes care of this? Podcasting, Paul, in my opinion, is a really good example. I think that uh, there's an opportunity to create much, much better apps for podcasting, uh, for us to enjoy podcasts, um, you know, I I think that for someone like me and my myself and you who are you know uh, advocate, advocates of it and 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 consummate consumers of podcasts, I want something much simpler so that I can see visually. Uh, where I'm at as far as listening to each one of the episodes. I want to be reminded that there's new episodes to download. Like I don't want to have to always go in there and pull all that content. I want it to come much more smoothly and automatically. I want to be able to walk up the door and know everything's up to date and I've got the latest. And uh, so I think there's an opportunity for that. Just on that, I, I had on episode 31, we had a great chat with a guy called Beauty Vogue and he runs um, a, a label, a music label, and he introduced me again to um, something I'd, I'd come across but never really got used to, which is SoundCloud. There's um, a, Oh, yes. And uh, people are using that for podcasting. Now, the really interesting thing about SoundCloud is that you can put comments in at certain points in the uh, audio, and you can uh, then... Uh, have others reading those uh, at that point so you could dissect you know a podcast or uh, something like this and you could have comments um, at certain points and when there's things that have been interesting to, to talk about so I think that's um, something that they're, they're looking to get more into and is great looking mm -hmm. on the uh, on mm -hmm. the iPhone um, so yeah that's mm -hmm. SoundCloud and we also talking about pain points I'm just thinking of another guest we had uh, um, a guy called uh, uh, Branko Cerny he's the founder of a new uh, mail app that's only just come out uh, he's spent about a year and a half building this thing and, and really um, working hard to try and solve that whole pain point around um, mail uh, email where it's just so overwhelming and, and he's got a beautiful solution so that's um, uh, Square One Mail 
and um, oh, I think nice. that's going to do really well. Um, in terms of, uh, I know that we're, um, we've got about five uh, minutes left or so, so I want to, there's <laughs> so much to talk about. I mean, there's one thing I can't skip, which is um, you've got to tell us about uh, what it was like owning an airline. I mean, you sound like a, <laughs> uh, you know, Richard Branson and... Uh, what, what was that like? Yeah. Uh, it must have been quite frightening to uh, own an airline. <laughs> uh, no, I've actually done other things that were more frightening than that. But um, here's what was very interesting about that whole experience, Paul, was because we were doing something that no one had ever done before. We were flying airplanes all the way through South America, across the Drake Passage, into Antarctica. We were going where we knew we had absolutely no support. And if our air, airplanes broke down, we were hooped. Like we literally would be really in trouble. And um, so for me, as a young guy, it was much more um, of an adrenaline rush than it was kind of like a logical decision, you know. So um, like two of the airplanes I actually purchased. And so to go out and buy an airplane in my early 20s was kind of an thing you know so I really wasn't thinking of it in terms of risk I was just thinking that this was you know pretty pretty crazy a crazy opportunity but but what it told me was something that I've that I've, I think it's really influenced my life and that is that when you've got an exciting idea and when you completely are enraptured with that idea for the right reasons that we've already been talking about not because wow I want to make a million dollars but because you really want to help people like we truly believed at that time that we were doing something really important like we were opening up the interior of the Antarctic continent I mean the land of Robert Falcon Scott and Amundsen and Fuchs and all of these all of these explorers Shackleton we were opening up the interior of Antarctica that was completely closed and still is by the way to this day completely closed to the typical layperson and so when you have a cause that you are so excited about you can actually get followers uh, quite easily. People want to be excited. They want to be on board with an exciting cause. The trick is, I believe, is to have the right reasons to get excited. And making money is usually not a good one. So you said that you did stuff that's more crazy than owning an airline. <laughs> Perhaps you could just share with us what, what can be possibly more crazy than uh, owning an airline. Oh, well, I just mean that I've also, I mean, I'm also a mountain climber, right? So I just, I've also hung off a lot of cliffs that have just scared me, scared me to death. And, you know, I've hung upside down in crevasses in the northern Yukon and, you know, all sorts of things where uh, close calls, really close calls. Um, uh, yeah, owning the airline, you know, I mean, remember, I had a big crew. I had really talented staff. I had, uh, you know, some amazing partners who, who knew a lot more than I did about uh, flying in Arctic conditions and logistics and all those sorts of things. My job was to keep the money flowing, keep finding the clients, and to make sure that you know we were delivering on our promises. So um, yeah. I feel a little bit intimidated here. I used to boast that I walked up to the uh, the top of Mount Kilimanjaro and. Uh, was always embarrassed to say that it was the Coca-Cola route. <laughs> they used to sell Coca-Cola on the way up. So um, that's my mind. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. um, hey, that's still a, that's still a big achievement. That's over 19,000 yeah, no, Mount Everest Base Camp as well. I've managed to do that. But uh, Oh, I was I was just there in November. Oh, are, you? Did, did, um, are you attempted or, to go up? Uh, are you tempted to go to the summit? 
Oh, I, I, I am, yeah, yeah. My brother actually did it uh, back in 91. Yeah, there's been a lot of uh, people dying on the way up there just recently. It's, um, it's yeah, become not good. A, it's not good. Yeah. We all use. Right, Hugh, this is just so, I could honestly go on for, I mean, you've got such a, a, a great history of, of things to talk about. And um, bef- as we wrap this up, are there any uh, suggestions on things that we can do to really improve our productivity and improve our lives and, and, and give ourselves more chance of success? Okay, so this is, okay, I'm glad you asked that one. This is going to be a little bit off the wall, but I want you to, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share it with you anyways, because it's one of my sort of pet theories, and, and it does hold water, because it's actually been proven to be true. And, and what I'm getting back to is full circle to what I started with around this idea of discipline. So I've been involved with a number of companies, as I've mentioned, and we've made millions of dollars and all sorts of other things. And at the end of the day, I think that successful entrepreneurs are very good at discipline. And one thing that I encourage all entrepreneurs to do is to do a very simple thing every day, and that is keep promises. Because Discipline, first of all, why discipline? Because discipline is the kind of thing that makes you make that, difficult, that, that very difficult phone call to ask for money. Discipline is where you start every day by doing the hardest work. Discipline is where you, um, you complete one thing before you move on to the next thing. You know, all of these things that relate to making money and building a successful business. And the way to build discipline is to keep promises. Very simple because it's like a muscle. The people that I want to work with, the people that I am most attracted to, are uh, very good promise keepers. And so if they say they're going to get back to me, they get back to me or they explain why they can't get back to me. If they promise to deliver something, they deliver that thing. And I think that nowadays where we have all sorts of slippage around, oh, well, whatever, I didn't see your email or gee, I ran a bit late. um, That doesn't cut it. And the way to stand out from the crowd is to be extremely good at this very simple thing, which is to keep promises. And what you'll notice is if you become a really good promise keeper, you'll also become much more disciplined around doing the kind of work you need to do to actually create a really rich and successful business. I'm so pleased that you you shared that with us because uh, there's one of the uh, apps that I happen to be using right now to increase my discipline is an app called Lyft. And, oh, uh, yes, I've heard all about it. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've, um, well, I've been using it now uh, to do things like wake up at 5 a.m. in the morning, uh, do some morning exercise before starting work. Uh, it, it, you know, it's just that encouragement to have this green line go full circle around your habit so that you complete the habit in, in 21 days. And uh, I think that that's going to be. Um, the sort of the start of all these apps that really start to try and change our behavior you know we're getting app mm. we're getting all these different uh, apps that that do uh, incorporate themselves in our lives and, and help us uh, get some discipline in our lives and, and form some really good habits so yeah i definitely recommend lyft as a way of um you know well for me anyway getting uh getting up at 5 a.m it's got me up for the last uh, 
15 days. So. <laughs> that is fantastic. Well, and, and I'm a big advocate of what I call it the morning club. I'm a big advocate of 5 a.m. morning club for entrepreneurs. Well, I'm, I'm uh, a little bit of a fraud. I've only been doing this now for uh, f 15 days, but uh, <laughs> does that give me enough uh, to qualify to get into this? Yeah, you're club? in. <laughs> yeah, yeah you're, you're in. You get the tattoo. Great. Um, how can people reach out to you, Hugh? What's the best way? Sure. Sure. Uh, the best thing is just to go to my um, uh, Experts Enterprise is the name of the website. So Experts Enterprise, just like that. So E-X-P-E-R-T-S Enterprise.com. And they can find all about, there's a free book they can grab, which is all about um, how to build a speaking business. Um, there's all sorts of tools there. There's They can watch a lot of productivity vi uh, videos in the resource section, which I think... Um, are really they're short they're to the point and just like the way i talk on this interview i get right to the point and so uh they can learn a lot about uh how to be more productive just by watching those videos well i'm going to keep my promise to you this was 30 minutes and it's coming up to that 30 minutes mark so i fully appreciate your time and, and you've been so generous with our audience and we would uh, love to have you back anytime and uh, in, in the meantime it just leaves me to say thank you very much hugh for joining us on the app guide podcast and Best of luck with all the endeavors that are going on in your life. Fantastic. It's been my pleasure, Paul. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode. If you want to be a guest on the show or suggest someone, then please send an email to info at onemob.com. The App Guy Podcast 